All right. Hello, my friends. This is your host, Evan, and this is another episode of the Not Just Paleo podcast, where we don't just talk about paleo because it could be complicated, but I try to make it not that complicated, you know? Eat your good quality source food. Get as close to the source of your food as you can. Eat moderate to large amounts of high-quality fat coming from your grass-fed meats and your butter, and... Look at the difference that happens within your body, your your mental health, your physical health. I mean, I'm not as lean as I've ever been, but I still have visible abs right now. And I eat more butter than your grandma would ever want you to eat. And I'm fine. And you're going to be fine. Uh, I mean, if you, you need to, the research is out there. Blood testing is always an option. Don't be afraid of fats. Okay, that's my message before we get into this show with Catherine Garso. She's an ex-Olympic swimmer, and I mentioned her on a couple episodes back, so I figured I'd get her on the show to talk about kind of emotional health today. We talk about spirituality a little bit and trying to figure out why people may be happy, but they're not healthy. You know, we have all the information at our disposal to be healthy, in my opinion. We have all of that now. But no one talks about happiness. Yeah, you're healthy. So what? You, you you don't have chronic headaches. You don't have irritable bowel anymore. But in my opinion, that's not good enough. I want to be happy too. I want to wake up every day and look forward to the day and look forward to the future. So hopefully this episode will help you think in that same method. Uh, please leave a review on iTunes. It takes a minute if you listen on iTunes. If not, try to go there anyway. I'd appreciate it. And thanks for tuning in today. All right. Well, hey, everybody. I'm here with Catherine Garso, who is an ex-Olympic swimmer, and she's here to talk about a lot of fun things. So, uh, Catherine, thanks for coming on to the show with me. Thank you, Evan, for uh, finding me and uh, inviting me. Yeah, I actually actually talked about you on my last week's show with uh, Ben Greenfield, the triathlete, and he knew about you and knew about your book and stuff. And I said, so, man, I got to... I got to get her on the show and talk about chlorine and swimming and all of these pretty big and, and interesting health issues that a lot of people really don't think about. Yeah, well, thanks. Um, chlorine definitely has been, I guess, a, uh, a love and a curse <laughs> uh, from being a synchronized swimmer. We were in the water for six to seven hours a day when I was training. And um, I, you know, I always had a very sensitive uh, health. So as a kid, I grew up on antibiotics, unfortunately, always um, sick with bronchitis and all that. And then uh, as I grew up, I developed, uh, you know, mostly after the Olympics, but, you know, a binging kind of eating disorder where I binged and purged with laxatives and it was not good because I just kind of destroyed my immune system. And uh, when I started to rebuild my health, kind of looking at holistic uh, measures, nutrition and, you know, food sensitivities and all that, I I also was told by a lot of people, well, what happened to you in chlorine? Like that was definitely not good for you. And so I started looking at chlorine and researching a little bit. And I found that there was actually, uh, a, you know, a pretty big, um, school of people that were 
you know, pointing the finger on chlorine being really toxic. Um, not chlorine per se, it's like the chlorine byproduct. So it's the reaction that chlorine has with our skin cells, urine, um, you know, whatever is in the pool, really. And uh, it creates these gases. So those, this is what we smell when we walk in, especially in an indoor pool, when we really smell that heavy chlorine. It's actually the chloramines and triholomethanes, which are chlorine byproducts, that we inhale. And those gases, um, some will, will, you know, some research shows that there are potential uh, carcinogenics, and you know, whether it be for bladder cancer, I believe that's been shown a lot of uh, correlations with asthma, lungs, and then for me, I mean, uh, a lot of doctors will say for sure, those who believe really in the bioterrain and the what we hear a lot about now, the microbiome, is that if, you know, the chlorine is kind of meant to kill all bacteria, well, it's definitely not doing um, that good in our in our stomachs, and we're skin is our number one absorbent organ so we're taking in all these this chloramines the the chlorine and um, it has a potential to destroy our healthy balance of bacteria so it would make sense that um, having been a swimmer for 12 years at that time and having taken so many antibiotics that I basically at this at the point where I retired I was binging on sugars like every single day I couldn't control it and then I was bloated all the time couldn't digest food even the healthy food I tried to eat and so it kind of like the whole you know I guess colonies of, of bacteria that were supposed to be balanced from good and bad were just turning into more and more um, bacteria that just wasn't supporting my health so all of it um, I've sort of exposed it in my book um, swimming out of water and I've worked with some consultants in the water, um, in the, the pool industry, and it's it's tricky because I'm not someone that really wants to discourage swimming, of course, and all the aquatic sports are so fun and, you know, can really help our health and, uh, you know, just personal development. But at the same time, just unfortunate that some pools are not looking into this in a deeper way to make sure that their chlorine byproducts are kept at a bare, bare minimal minimal yeah so that's kind of the chlorine conversation <laughs> yeah well see that's crazy because i remember i mean as a kid you know you stop in those hotels and they always have those kind of like a greenhouse where you have those indoor pools and those things would reek i mean as soon as you open the door you walk in those things so you're basically saying those are pretty toxic even just the air to breathe in those those rooms yeah a lot of i mean even even i found uh, lifeguards in indoor pools, like especially those pools that they were talking about, like, oh my God, it's like a chlorine explosion when you walk in. Mm -hmm. uh, that means that the airflow, the water quality is just not well managed and it's dangerous. And you'll notice, um, I bet you can go and ask if, if you go to those Y pools and like the lifeguards seem like they're half dead, they're so depressed. It's like they're just sitting there smelling that stuff nonstop every day. And I know, I mean, I know some lifeguards like that that are just like so lethargic. They're walking around. They gradually gain weight every year. And I'm pretty convinced that, you know, the chlorine byproducts are part of it. So it, it's just to really being mindful. And 
of course, if you're a swimmer, don't panic. Um, you could always, um, for sure, if you feel like, you know, the, the chlorine byproducts are high because you can smell, when you can smell it, it's usually not a good sign. And funny, a lot of us have the, or parents have the reaction of like, they walk into a pool and you can't smell chlorine. It's like, oh, I better ask them. We can't smell the chlorine. It's like, no, that's actually a good thing usually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you could always ask them. Um, I do have a letter um, readily available if uh, you contact me that you can bring to them so that they are, are informed of some of the alternatives that can be done. It's not really alternatives because at this point with the regulations, it's not like we can get pools with no chlorine publicly. Um, but there are complements and there are ways to um, filter the water, filter the air that definitely make it way safer and healthier. So um, some of those technologies I'm helping um, gradually to bring an awareness of them and um, supporting them. They're from the probably the one of the best ones is from Denmark and they've converted over 30 pools in Denmark to um, this, this this sort of um, combination system. And the last we've heard is that he's gotten the chlorine byproducts down to a zero. So that's really exciting that that's happening. And these technologies are actually green. So like people save 50% water, 50% energy um, right away. So it's like there's an initial cost of converting the pool over, but the savings and the health benefits are awesome and tremendous. Yeah, I thought about opening up a float tank center in Kentucky back when I lived there, and the health department there was just so outdated that they were trying to force me to use chlorine instead of, you know, the UV filters and the hydrogen peroxide that, you know, 99% of the float tank companies use. And so I just kind of threw that project by the wayside and ended up moving here to Texas. But it's, um, I guess we're just outdated. I mean, when it comes to education about the whole thing, I mean, it makes sense that these chemicals are causing skin reactions and everything. I never thought of the depression aspect of it though. That's a, so I guess you got depressed from your swimming experience, even though your, I mean, was your diet good at that time? Um, it was, yeah, it was good aside from when I really got into binging, but I, that's the thing. It's like, what came first, the chicken, the egg, you know, and, and I was definitely prone to, uh, perfectionism. And I talk about this in my book too, like where, you know, my body was never good enough and I was prone to eating disorders, although I never really acted it out that much because in a sense, you know, sport kept me motivated to be healthy. Um, so there was a lot of factors there that of course now in hindsight, like the 10 years I've been kind of rebuilding myself and peeling the onion of all these these thoughts of not being good enough or not being pretty enough or not being confident enough even to like build a business and a lot of things that I've done, you know, in the last while, um, y they show me that really we're all so connected within ourselves, like with our emotional health, our physical health, our mental health. And when you don't address one of them, often you feel a little bit limited or you won't be getting the results or you'll get the results and then you keep sabotaging yourself. So you know, that's kind of what I really, my message in the swimming out of water is really to start to connect the dots between a lot of things. And like you're into, you know, obviously showing the the great benefits of a, a clean diet and um, and finding that clean diet for you that works. Um, that's a part that a lot of people don't even know. Like they, they are depressed or they're 
are, or their chronic, chronic fatigue and they never really look at the food part. So of course I bring up the food in my, um, in my book and in my message always, but I've kind of started to gravitate more towards the, um, the emotional work and the technique that I primarily use in my coaching is EFT. It stands for emotional freedom techniques. And like that has shown me a whole other side of like, wow, like I, you know, I, I prayed so much attention to exactly what to eat to get better. And yet I was forgetting this, this hardcore mental, emotional part that was definitely, you know, holding me back in some way. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually working on this article right now that's called you're happy or you're healthy, but you're not happy. Why? And I'm just trying to break down some of the things. And I guess, you know, of course, some people could say, oh, the economy's horrible, jobs are horrible, and, you know, point to the, the obvious reasons that people may not be happy. But I try to focus on the deeper side of things. And I mean, even myself, you know, with the success of my podcast and reaching out to people that I never would have reached out to before and accomplishing things, I'm still so hard on myself. And so I guess what's the process for that? I mean, how do you find yeah. an emotional balance? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's a continued journey for myself. And I think a lot of us go-getters, uh, we have this downside. I mean, I think we, uh, one of uh, Tim Ferriss's latest posts uh, this year has been to disclose, you know, the kind of manic depressive side of him. And it was so beautiful that he shared that because so many people look up to him like four hour body, four hour work week. And it's like, okay, but what's really happening? And what's the the sort of the shadow side of the genius that we have and as entrepreneurs or as like go-getters. And I think for me, emotionally, um, like you're saying, it's like never good enough or you're just really hard on yourself. Um, it could come from a lot of things. And in the EFT, you might have, uh, for those listening, you might have uh, heard about it through the Tapping Solution. Nick Ordner had a best-selling book um, really sort of showcasing this technique. And um, so it, it's kind of like to uh, to do tapping on certain points of the body. So it's a form of energy psychology where we're, um, we're, we're voicing something that we feel is wrong in ourselves or in a certain event or an emotion that we feel that's really intense. And while we're also saying that, so the example would be, well, even though I, I still feel this yucky feeling in my gut, uh, even though I I feel like I just failed at, or even if you're a parent, it's like even though I just really yelled at my daughter and I feel so bad about it, I completely love and accept myself. Or even though you step on, let's say you step on the scale and you've been doing all well, then you go through the, the holidays, you overate way too many times, you get on the scale and you're like, oh my God, I'm back to 10 pounds heavier. How could I have done this? So that moment on the scale is like, even though I'm looking at this 10 pounds more, I can't believe it. I choose to love myself anyways. So that's like the setup sentence. It's always like something that's bugging us, something that was really intensive, uh, an intense emotion and then the flip side, well, I'm going to love and accept myself anywhere or I'm going to be okay anyways. You can play it down because the, the typical sentence is to love and accept yourself fully and completely. But often that creates a little resistance because in that moment you're really not wanting to love and accept yourself completely. Yeah. So 
uh, a way to do it is to actually go, well, I'm going to be okay, and I trust things are going to be okay, or I choose to be open to loving myself. So there's different ways of doing it. I'm saying this because we often see certain things about EFT in like a marketing uh, campaign or even at like a specific product, and we read it and it's like it doesn't resonate because it's like too far out there or it's too black and white. Um, and what I've learned over time of like studying it and becoming a practitioner is that it's really not that black and white. And when you, especially when you start to work with someone privately, you get to really go with the flow with it and you start to like really feel it because you're not, you're tapping on the points on your body and you're also um, releasing the resistance and not making it too far out there that it doesn't feel right um, even, you know, when you're first trying it. So to get back to your original question, if you have this, you know you're hard on yourself. It's a pattern, it's a habit, it's something that comes from deep, deep inside you and you have no idea why. Um, just by asking a few questions, it, it could be like, okay, when's the first time when you were a little boy that you felt like everyone was celebrating and about something you did great, but part of you was like, Ugh, it's not that great or something was wrong and those are the kind of questions that we want to ask because the energy blocks that Gary Craig the founder of EFT says that the the um, even addictions anything that is holding us back usually stems from a, a block of energy that was created during a moment where an emotion that was so intense or so confused or so just not right got stuck and then the same vibrational pattern keeps coming back in your life in different ways but it always kind of feels the same and you're like oh here's that again but when you go back to their original event or some of them because usually there's a few of them you really release it in that moment then you start to see that your life now one doesn't attract it anymore or two you don't get it triggered the same way so that's kind of how EFT works in a sort of a deeper way when you're working really on getting rid of your core issues by looking at these events that supported and made this core issue so real for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, it just proves how complex everything is. I mean, we try to, I guess, give blanket advice or, or, or books come out to give people advice and ultimately... I think there always has to be a place for one-on-one -on -one deep conversations with yourself. And I think yeah, maybe that's I, what I we're think, lacking. Yeah, and I think that's that's a, a, a plus, you know, the downside of probably the, the internet because we're all so able to really get the broad knowledge that we need to grow. And at the same time, some of these programs that are more designed to give you an overview or an understanding of something and even going through the exercises of my own books that are like different um, nuances of EFT, I'll reach out to the coach because I know that if I don't address my particular flavor of that understanding, I may miss out on really getting the pop and, and the, the big result. So yeah, it's kind of like we've we've all made everything so general and so available, which is a plus because we're all becoming much more educated, I think. 
um, there's a downside of missing on the depth of what you just mentioned, the one-on-one and really going deep. Yeah, well, the the sensory deprivation tank has done it for me. I mean, a couple other things have done it too, which I don't know if we'll get into those, but uh, I know you've actually floated also. So what's your experience with uh, floating and yes. mindset? I and- love floating. Yeah, uh, definitely. Float tanks uh, were introduced to me several years ago, um, and I was I one of the the downsides, I guess, of what I was going through with my body was that um, I had stopped getting my period, and it wasn't um, like they said, "Oh, you don't have enough body fat." That was when I was training, but this was way after, and I had gained quite a bit of weight. I, I my I probably my my biggest I was maybe at two hundred pounds. And, and how tall are you? Uh, I'm a five, five, eight, just under. Oh, okay. And yeah, so it was definitely like being overweight and, um, I, I wouldn't get my period. We had done a bunch of tests and it was basically my adrenal function and all the hormones being really toxic and, and imbalanced. And, um, I tried a lot of different modalities and nothing was really working and then someone mentioned the uh, float tanks, and I was like, oh, yeah, bring, I'm like, I'm a total mermaid fish. So I was like, yeah, I'm totally going to go in there. And it was like after two sessions, I think two days in a row, that I ended up getting my period. And who knows? It could have been a big coincidence, but my, my impression was that it really gave me a reset. It really allowed me to relax um, in a, a way, like you're saying, sensory deprivation, to be completely like back in the womb, if you want. Um, and, uh, yeah, I floated since, um, as regular as I can, uh, when I'm in LA, there's a place called, um, the float lab in, uh, Venice beach. Um, I haven't gone since I've moved to Montreal, but I know there's one here and, um, in Burlington, Vermont too, I've gone. So it's close by. Um, and I'm a big fan. It's something that I will probably end up having, in my home somehow because <laughs> yeah. um, I like to do it on a regular like daily basis. Yeah. I, um, I happen to have a friend here in Austin that owns a, a float spa. And so I get to go in there whenever I want. It's a pretty good friend to have. And he talked about how if he floats too much, like too often, like a, say a week in a row, he said the detachment from society is just, incredible he said it's a good thing i guess some people may think it's a bad thing but i guess is the way he looked at it is you just have a new perspective on everything and society just seems silly and crazy and in in too much of a rush and addicted to the cell phone and you know stuff like that it just makes you more analytical i guess or more observant i guess of your surroundings like when i get out and I walk out front of his place. The first thing I notice is just the color of the sky. The color of the trees is way, way more green than when I went in. Mm. And, uh, that's always a really yeah. Cool like experience. everything becomes uh, more alive, probably because we we have the contrast of not being so bombarded <laughs> from information overload. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What do you think is the underlying thing that is keeping society kind of unhappy i do feel like there is a lot of unhappy people even though we do have this information kind of this information overload we have all the information but we're still not happy do you think self-reflection and this whole topic we've been getting into do you think that's 
one of the more important things or do you think there's other parts to it too? I think, I mean, there could be loneliness. There could be like a lack of deep connection. Like you're saying, not only for our personal growth, let's say with a practitioner, but also in friendships potentially um, because of this information overload, because of the, the internet and, and social media it's so it's a blessing. I mean, we are in touch with people we may may have totally lost touch uh, with. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a level of depth, um, touch even. I mean, I know for me, um, and I, I, I'm just getting through this, this hard um, time in my life where, you know, I was running from, um, I was probably running from failure. I was running away from not being good enough. And I, I've moved a lot. I've, I've been an explorer for the last decade and, and comes with that a lot of discoveries, a lot of connections. But I think for me, it's like, wow, I, I really sort of missed out on, on having my close knit girlfriends in town where I go out with every Tuesday night or whatever. It's like, I've moved again and I'm like, Oh, I have to start again. And, and so it, it's beautiful for me to see it and to be with it instead of going, Oh my God, I failed or whatever. It's just, no, just my patterns of whether it be my emotional abuse from the, the young age that I'm now releasing, um, my perfectionism as an athlete, my success, my post-success as an Olympian, a lot of things that, you know, we take for granted maybe that are just supposed to work themselves out. And some people have, like not all, you know, Olympic medalists end up like me who are very deep seekers <laughs> and always trying to connect the dots. And, um, but there's a downside to it that I've um, been, you know, more working on now instead of like you're saying, instead of rush, rush, rush to succeed. It's like, oh, what if I actually just made fun and friends and community more of my priority now and it feels right for me in this stage and um I have no regrets I think I just I feel like that's what I can see in some of the ladies that reach out for me for coaching it's like that same alone feeling that they've either maybe it's a family they started and now they're like oh my god I'm exhausted all the time I don't have me time and and I don't know for you but it feels like maybe society is is driven more than ever to succeed more than ever. Um, social media is keeping us busy in a different way um, that we're probably not used to emotionally. We're maybe not designed for all this. And so it's like all of us are having to readjust. Like how much do I really want to be on my phone and really want to be on the computer? Um, and, and, you know, for those who are not really more like living sort of traditional um, nine to five job, I think there's a curiosity, there's a level of like, I want to do something different and bigger. And maybe that's a form of their own, um, you know, sort of depression and unhappiness. Um, and you've covered, I'm sure, a lot of the food issues and a lot of the genetic um, dispositions for us to be depressed. I mean, the, it's not getting better. Why is autistic um, percentages going up every year? Well, because the generations of parents who were toxic are now getting younger, having more parents that, I mean, the younger kids are not born by 
of better genetics. They're just born of more, you know, expose, exposure to toxins. And I think that's all being passed on too, that we don't realize that, you know, the teenagers and younger are really going to be faced with a lot of psychological problems if we don't continue to help them eat well. Um, you know, the EMFs, who knows, electromagnetic fields, they could be affecting people a lot more than we know. Um, some hardcore scientists will say, no, it's not proven. And then other people will say, duh, I can feel it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it, it really depends. But I think it's like, I think it's a combination. Like you're saying, it's so much more complex than we'd like it to be. But that's what's happening. Yeah, definitely. So you lived in Vegas before, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I lived out there too. I lived off of uh, off of near Sunset, like three miles away from the Strip on on the north side near Mandalay. Oh, cool. Yeah, where where were you at there? Were I you was just... in um, I was in the Southwest. I actually ended up buying a home there um, that kind of fell through. It was at the worst peak at the market. Oh yeah, Vegas uh, got hit hard. Yeah. Yeah, really bad. Um, but uh, yeah, I was mostly on the west side um and i love being so close to the like red rocks were like 40 minutes away and that's actually what like inspired my whole book because i got caught in the red rocks for 24 hours without food or water and um it kind of sort of gave me the insight of writing a book and helping other people so wow. i have quite a, a lot of memories in in vegas but i was in the shows um as a mermaid, first of all, at the Silverton Casino, there's a mermaid tank there. You were the mermaid? Um, Are you serious? Yeah. I was I've one seen of the, the mermaid. mermaid there. That's hilarious. I wonder if I <laughs> well, they, saw you. It's actually different. They used to have like a live music show where we did performances on the hour, mm -hmm. um, but they canceled that and now it's just like the free swimming mermaids, right? So. Um, I was part of the original show that had like sort of Cirque du Soleil, very unique costumes kind of shows um, every hour. That's funny. Yeah, I've been to Silverton. I remember that big tank there. I don't know if I was if I was there during that time with the show and everything, but oh, okay. What year were you there? Uh, let's see, two thousand and two to two thousand and eight. Okay, yeah, I was there 2005 and six. Oh, okay. I may have seen you. That's funny. I mean, I was younger then, but still, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of Red Rock, my uh, my mom, one of her friends was out there on like a like a hiking tour. I guess there's a bunch of hiking groups that go out there, and she showed up late for some reason with her dog. Everybody was bringing the dogs out there, and she had a big old German Shepherd. I mean, the biggest dog you've ever seen in your life, and I guess she tried to catch up to the hiking group you know she came late and of course you know how the the summer is out there and uh so she ended up getting lost basically out there in in the rocks and came up to this cliff to where she had to get up to the cliff to get to the next road so she had to leave the dog behind and um you know she had to come the next day with a helicopter she eventually got out of there herself but she came with a i don't know how she ended up getting a helicopter and they did a little aerial search and found the dog. And, of course, he had died during the heat, just running oh. out of water and everything. But uh, that was a wake-up call for me just to realize, man, nature is something that 
can be beautiful and mesmerizing, but you got to be careful out there because it gets crazy real quick. And totally, when you run out of water, it's uh, it's panic mode almost. Where were you? I guess were you by yourself? Yeah, I went for a hike. It was like my last day before I was moving to San Diego, and I just was like, oh, I'll go for like a goodbye hike to Vegas, and then I went. And I went to the top, I had like a journal, um, some prayers with me and a pencil. And I just like did my like intentions and all that. And then on my way down, I was kind of hiking around and I thought I was kind of taking, you know, a different shortcut or something. And it ended up being this, this like sort of wedging myself through down um, between two walls. So it was kind of using the, the walls for leverage. So I was going side to side, side to down. And then I hopped down and then I was on this ledge and it was like a cliff. And I was like, Oh damn, I got to go back up. Like it was definitely not a way down. Um, but then I looked up and I was like, Oh shoot. Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't plan to climb this. I was just wedging myself down. So basically I couldn't go back up and I couldn't definitely didn't want to go down. It was like a jump, a super high cliff. So I was stuck on this little ledge um, and I, I hadn't told anyone I was going for a hike. I didn't have my phone, no water, nothing. Cause I thought I was just going to go for like two hours. Um, so I was just on this ledge and I ended up like screaming, crying, staring at the wall, trying to study it so I can climb it. And um, it was life changing. You know, I had the insights and, um, the night fell like, so, you know, the sun, sun went down and it got really cold and I was like tucked into my t-shirt. I could barely like sit on this ledge. <laughs> um, so it was scary. And I, but I, I got inspired and I started writing in my journal, like, oh, I should maybe write my story of eating disorders and all the things that are connected to it and how we can overcome it. And, you know, and then the whole chlorine thing. So I just kind of, started being really inspired and um the next day when the sun rose i still hadn't you know seen any help or anything so i i was that's when i really got scared and that's when i i took my prayers and i was like okay i've never really been convinced of a god or universe but i know there's something and i'm gonna know now and i really prayed really um deeply and it was it was like a it felt like a you know, a gift of grace that I just was able to all of a sudden climb the wall. Like I was like spider woman. And, um, I definitely had strength. I did not know I had, um, and, uh, climbed the whole wall and basically, you know, went on my way. And, um, so that's kind of what inspired my book. And I take the reader basically through this hike, like, you know, you come with me, you're stuck chapter three, you're there. And then, um, I flash back before and after the Olympics and all the things that came with the training and after with the eating disorder. And um, that's kind of my last experience of the Red Rocks. Wow. And I haven't gone back since, but I do want to go back and um, just take in that energy again. <laughs> it's crazy out there for sure. I've, I haven't had too many experiences like that where I'm stranded, but one of those it's almost like a would you say it was like a natural psychedelic experience um yeah it's hard i, I was actually uh who was it that i was someone that's working with uh like a human genome projects and like the flow state 
and I was actually asking, like, what are the different flow flow states? Because there's different, there's definitely different ones. Like that one was way different than, let's say, the flow state I experienced when we performed at the um, Sydney Olympics, which you know they're kind of like grace, but they're different. Some of them, like the the Sydney one, felt very rehearsed and practiced, whereas this one was like okay, there's no other way. You're inviting this other dimension of yourself to like step in and it somehow works, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but you don't really know. Like I don't know that I could recreate it if I tried, you know? So it, it's a different kind of thing. And I think a lot of people, of course, there's the states where you go into deep meditation and through breath work. And I've had those glimpses also uh, sometimes when all of a sudden, you know, your your breath deepens and you just kind of feel like no matter what's happening in life, it's like really joyful and really great and you're kind of connected. Um, so there's there's a few books. There's a book called Peak Perform, uh, no, Peak States, Peak States. And it talks about these different flow states or these different peak states, as he calls it. Um, and... I guess, I mean, we all get to experience them um, however we end up opening up to that energy. You know, it sounds like you're on that path, too, of exploring those uh, those abilities we have. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've the craziest flow state I guess I would have, I was uh, maybe 12, maybe 13, I can't remember. There was, a, there was a creek behind this house I was living at, and there was a big bamboo forest down there. And this was in Kentucky at the time, and obviously bamboo's not native there. And a guy had started kind of like a bamboo farm down on this creek bed uh, since it it grew so well down there. Me and my buddy, we'd always go down there and chop down the bamboo. I guess one day the guy saw us, and I heard a dog kind of bark, just a, just one little bark. It was kind of like a muffled bark. And then yeah. I heard a louder bark, and... uh I, I didn't think anything of it. You know, most time you hear dog barking all the time. You don't think it's going to come after you. And then the next thing we know, this giant German shepherd pops over this hill, and we're face-to-face, and he looked like he was going to eat us. And then before I even had the inkling to run, I hear a gunshot of a shotgun, and then I go into like a whiteout. That's the best way I could describe it. Everything just turns white and uh, everything gets clear but blurry at the same time. And I don't even remember running, but I just remember how fast I was traveling away from this dog and away from the gunshot. And eventually I jumped down this little, I guess you'd call it like a little miniature cliff. It was like a 10-foot drop-off da- back down into the actual creek I was on the uh, the field that was kind of running parallel to it. And I jumped down there, and as uh, soon as I landed, I looked up, and the dog was still right there at the top of the hill, right on my tail. And uh, he he never, wow. yeah, he never jumped into the creek. <laughs> but that was, uh, I guess, that was my comparable experience. That's when I really learned that we have a huge potential that's locked inside of us, and. We live in such a like a safe society, I guess you would say, generally speaking, yeah. that we don't realize that the human body and the the mind has really, really awesome and powerful channels. I guess you could call them that can be opened. Maybe you don't want to open it in that 
you know, in that same scenario, but I guess it's just to remind you that there's a lot of greater things that we can achieve if we just kind of figure out how to, I don't know, manifest those on our own or tap into those somehow without putting ourselves in so much danger. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So uh, tell people a little bit about your struggle with uh, finding direction, I guess. I mean, I guess after you quit the Olympic swimming and stuff, were you just kind of like, now what? Or what was the whole process there? Um, I, I, I would have to say I had, um, it was more my health that was a struggle, but I was finishing, um, I did a business degree at the University of Toronto and, um, I was like realizing that I was like really into mathematics and all that at first. But when I got overly toxic, when I hit the, the, like probably my worst was in 2002, when I decided to retire from the team and that at that time I had become the team captain and I was going to go to the next Olympics in Athens. But uh, my health got so bad that I just said, no, 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 I have to like think of myself right now. And so I retired from the sport and I started to just focus on school and my level of like, I don't know, like brain activity was just so bad. Basically, I couldn't remember anything anymore. Um, I had a hard time reading, like everything. So my grades went from like basically straight A's to barely passing. And that was very humbling, of, of course, because, you know, I was my identity was in perfectionism and success. And <laughs> so um, that was a big turning point for me where you know, I got, I guess I had no choice, but I started learning from people and I attracted some very interesting people teaching me about, let's say, energy work. And um, I was dating a chiropractor at the time who taught me a lot about at first, like, you know, holistic health. I was just reading the books and I was starting to apply them more than him and, you know, kind of helping him with his diet. And, and it, it kind of sort of just started to show me my, my interest to be, in some shape or form, a helper, a healer, or a guide for other people. And, and so gradually, I, I just fell in love with that field of work. And um, it was a process, because then, of course, like, you know, the confidence may not be there. And so I was building up, you know, or, or I was on top of all this shame and guilt about my body and my health, I was also very eager to help others. And so I think, that all kind of took really this decade of explorations and healing and uh, traveling and learning from, you know, really awesome people. I, I, I think I have to, you know, be really thankful for the Olympic medal because there's, there's for sure an ability to connect with a lot of people just by, by saying, Hey, here's who I am. And then they go, sure, we'll talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been a really big plus that I, I don't take for granted. And I, you know, I've spoken to so many doctors and experts on things that at the same time, like you say, ch picking your path and even looking at the, um, the controversies and the contradictions that come with a lot of diets. Now I'm just in, in the position where, you know, it depends where someone is in their life. It depends their lifestyle. It depends what kind of um, life they really want to live. And not every diet or system will work for everyone, but there's a diet and system for everyone. And same with emotional work. Like if EFT 
um, resonates, jump on it because it's not only a tool that you could do to clear your own stuff very deeply, but for kids, for like just a friend, it's just an easy tool. Um, but if the, if it's not that, then something else. But never sort of underestimate the the ability we have to to explore all realms. Um, and so that's kind of been my path. And a lot of times, maybe I have felt like a fish out of water, um, where I, I didn't quite fit in or I didn't quite know what I want to focus on. And I'm still bringing it together now. But I'm at a place now where. I feel like I have just this level of trust and, and faith and that's just stronger. Um, I lost my dad last year and unexpected cancer and it just was so fast. And that too, it made me kind of realize other things about family and wanting to maybe be closer um, for now at least. And here I am back in Montreal, my hometown. It's like, I never thought I'd come back here. Um, so there's the French speaking, like I've, missed it and I started doing my blogs in French and, and English when my, my French book came out and then it I made I kind of got in touch with this this part of me that has had totally stopped like basically never speaking French never being around French old friends or anything and I was like wow I love this like I, I totally miss it so I guess never daring uh, never stopping to like explore opportunity for me has been um a blessing a big blessing and you know i i just like as as unconventional as my path has been i i see the 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 beauty of it more and more because sort of like all the dots start to connect and i'm better discerning like what i don't want to do so sometimes it's what we sometimes it's figuring out like what to do by figuring out all the things we don't want to do. So if some of you are listening going, oh, I just don't know, I just don't know, like just keep doing and keep trying things and all of it will start to like make sense and show you the way <laughs> um, one step at a time, you know? And I maybe you've done some of that, Evan, like just trying new things and then going realizing like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a funny skit, the, uh, the comedian Cat Williams there's a funny skit where he talks about that, and uh, you'll have to go watch it on YouTube. But he's, I mean, he's hilarious. He's, he's one of the the funniest comedians I've ever seen. But he just talks about that. He's like, try shit, doesn't work. Plug it in, try shit, doesn't work. Try shit, doesn't work. But you just, <laughs> you, you have to watch it. I, I will never be able to, to act it out as good as yeah, he can. Yeah, please send me the link. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, it, he, you know, he's just talking about the bigger scope of life and just basically plugging things in if they don't fit pull it back out put a new plug in and keep trying that until something fits and yeah and uh and i i do think on a bigger picture of things that's eventually how everyone will figure things out it's just a matter of trying and uh just keep pushing forward i guess that's kind of our our uh our general overview of this whole thing is just to uh just keep going you know don't don't hesitate and and get down in your sorrows too much because that just prevents you from achieving something. But if you keep trying things and keep pushing and keep moving forward, you, you might find something hiding under a rock that may change your life or, or make you achieve something. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we have to send people back to your website to read your blog. So give people, uh, you know, if you had any, uh, final thoughts or anything, give people that in your website. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I guess I, I would, you know, second what you just said, just keep moving forward. And and if you feel like you are, 
you you do see a pattern where you find yourself um, dwelling on something over and over or crying about something for no reason or whatever it is like do investigate EFT and I, I offer like free um, first time you know EFT trials so you know reach out if if it resonates of course um, my website my website is katherinegarso.com so Catherine C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E Garso G-A-R-C-E-A-U dot com um, or you can find me on Facebook and um, yeah I, I, I just I'm, I'm really grateful Evan for this I think you're doing amazing work and um, your your spirit is really wonderful really you're just um, inside there you're just um, so open and curious and um, it's inspiring that what you're doing awesome well thank you yeah it could be the float tank drawing everybody together who knows Oh, yeah, it's true. I love the floating. <laughs> it might be. Awesome. Well, thanks, Catherine, and uh, I'll be in touch with you soon. Thank you, Evan. I hope you enjoyed that show. I wanted to give you all an update on my book, Rim Rehab, which I think is probably the sleep guide that is going to hopefully change the whole scope of sleep and a lot of the problems that may be going on in the community, people that may have figured out other health problems but they haven't figured out sleep yet. Hopefully this guide will be the guide to solve that. Uh, my buddy Kevin is working on the editing right now, and I'll be doing an audio book alongside the uh, PDF or whatever version, iBooks or whatever we ended up putting it in. And so I'll be doing that here in the next couple weeks. So stay tuned for that. If you go to Rim Rehab, R-E-M Rehab.com, you sign up there, uh, put your email in, and me and Kevin will email you with all the updates on this book because we're going to do a free webinar too where we can have you all come back in. Those of you that did the Google Hangouts and loved it, uh, we'll be doing that again where you all can come in live with us and ask questions and join us in the chat box if you don't want to be on video and stuff like that. So rimrehab.com is the website for that. You sign up, and we'll keep you updated with all of the the latest news when it comes to that and especially when the release comes out it should be sometime in february of course uh, you know how any project goes you think you're finished and then you got to add something else to it so uh, i'm just trying to make it the best quality book i can actually make it so thanks again and uh i hope to talk to you all very soon so stay positive and keep pushing forward you will achieve what you need to in time it just, it takes baby steps. You know, nothing happens overnight. So thank you all. Bye. He acts like it's all good, yeah, like everything's cool. Kiss her girl and I never please her. She doesn't have a clue that he's terrible blues. Why I'm in a tie, I got to watch out, girl. Don't want to see her cry her eyes out, girl. Cause I've been watching, you've been hurting 